Life Point Church. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Welcome to church. Hi, baby. <laughs> Welcome to church. My name is Jocelyn. I'll be leading you in worship today. We're going to stand and get going. You can uh, give an air high five to those neighbors around you. Greet from afar. Say, hey, how you doing? Welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here. Stop the Lord Almighty. 
to know you more, to know you more deeply. Father God, we confess right now that we have not been the people you called us to be this week. Our hearts are full of doubt. We have not treated our neighbors as ourselves, as you would call us to treat our neighbors. We have not loved deeply the way you call us to. God, lead us to repentance. Lead the overwhelming presence of your heart. Lead us to our knees, God. Where you can shower us with your love. God, we thank you for who you are. That we can, in this moment, talk to you directly through your son, Jesus. God, we pray that our hearts be changed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody? Sweet. It's so good to see you all here today. Glad you guys can make it. For those of you that are joining us online, we're glad you're here as well. And I want to welcome you here. Um, it's good to see everybody. Everybody have a good week? Yeah? Sweet. Glad to hear it. So go ahead and go to your, go to your Bible. We're going to be wrapping up 1 Peter today, and we're going to go to chapter 5. But before I do that, I wanted to share an email I got this week, and I thought it was very interesting. Maybe it wasn't this week. It was last week or whatever it was, two weeks ago. And it was, it's from our, my son's swim coach. And I thought this was very interesting, the timing of all of this. Uh, but here's what it reads. I won't read you the stuff about practice and all of that. But he wrote this, we're all facing challenges that were unimaginable, unimaginable just a year ago. Some have been overwhelmed while others are finding ways to thrive. With school starting and the uncertainty regarding how we deal our so-called, uh, we deal our so-called new normal, I am reminded to, of the quote from the Reverend Robert Schuler: tough times don't last, tough people do. All you need is some true grit. I didn't put that in there. That's he, he, just to be clear. All you need is some true grit. A study of more than 11,000 West Point cadets over 10 years found that grit was the most important trait for success. Beating, uh, beating out both brains and brawn. It's kind of sad to know that the bigger I get, it doesn't help. Just kidding. For all you brainiacs, it doesn't help you out either. Anyway, um, researchers who define grit as passion and perseverance for long-term goals of personal significance said cadets who displayed that special quality were more successful during the challenging four-year military academy that begins with beast barracks, a notoriously brutal six-week six week, six week basic training program. Cognitive and physical abilities each enabled Progress toward goals in, the, in their respective domains. The study said, in contrast, grit seems to, be, it seems to enable individuals to keep going when the going gets tough. The research team, led by University of Pennsylvania psychologist and author Angela Duckworth, studied 11,258 cadets as they entered the academy over the period of a decade. 
Those who made it through Beast Barrack then took a 12-point test known as the grit scale to evaluate their capacity for perseverance. 3% of new cadets quit the academy in the first summer, while strength and, and brain power all contributed to helping the 81% of West Point cadets who ultimately graduated from the school, the study found that grit proved to be the most significant factor. The experience and experience you have as a child in school and in your formative years are instrumental in developing this never-say-die, never-quit attitude. Michael Matthews, who co-authored the study, told the Science and Technology News website, Inverse, challenges have a way of finding us, Matthews said. West Point becomes a kind of laboratory of learning how individuals come to succeed under trying circumstances. So what's interesting in all this, and it goes on and it says this, grit, and the author, Angela Duckworth, defines grit at the, at the passion and perseverance towards long-term goals. According to Webster Dictionary, grit is firmness of mind or spirit or unyielding courage in the face of hardship or danger. I thought it was interesting that this came as we were supposedly going to wrap up our True Grit series, the one we're in right now. And one of the things that's very interesting to me in all of this is, um, even though they studied West Point cadets and all this, what I'm reminded of is that as believers in Christ Jesus, we are His army. We are His body. And we are to be on a mission And here's what I know to be true about our walk with Jesus, is that it doesn't matter how much we know about Scripture, and it doesn't matter how much knowledge we have about Scripture, that can come and go, and people with the greatest amount of knowledge can easily fall away and walk away from their faith. Those that that go strong and they serve a lot and they just basically come to a point of burnout sometimes walk away from their faith as well. And you may be on one side of those, the, that spectrum there of saying, but I serve and I give a lot and I give a lot and I give and I never say no. And the reality of it is, is what happens. Sometimes you get to a point where you throw your hands up and say, I'm done with my walk and you walk away. For those of us that we get, we put a lot of, 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 of emphasis on knowing and knowing and knowing and knowing, but there's never any reflection or any showing of God's love. There's something that happens there, too, to where maybe we get hurt or wounded or just tired and we walk away. And what I'm reminded of is this, is God's called us to to a few things in life, but one of the things he's called us to most definitely is to persevere, to keep going, to never quit. And if I could say anything about this series that we've been in, it's this attitude of, do we have this no-quit attitude with our walk with Jesus? Do we have the same type of mentality that says, you know what, I want this true grit, and no matter what happens in my walk, no matter what happens around me, no matter what happens to me or in my life, I'm going to continue to serve my God, and I'm going to continue to do exactly what he's called me to do, which is to love him and love the people around me no matter what, because that becomes my focus. And research tells us that it's this thing called grit that we need that says no matter what happens, I don't quit. That no matter how many times I fall, no matter how many times I stumble, no matter what goes on, I don't give up.
And that's what we do. That's what we do as believers. And throughout this series, we've covered a lot of things to help us in this idea of developing true grit. And we defined it a little differently. We defined it as having courage and resolve and strength of character. Courage to face the tough times, courage to, in all of this, the resolve to solve problems, find a solution, decide firmly on a course of action and just keep going and, and, and continue to pursue that. And then strength of character. And when we have true grit that, that with, is within us, we know that that true grit is based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And because we have a relationship with him, we can keep going and we can keep moving forward. One of the things that as we look, as I was reflecting this week on everything that we have talked about and everything that we've dove in over the past five chapters, and I just want to remind you of a few of them. In uh, chapter 1, verse 3, we, we need to be reminded of the living hope that we have. We live in a world right now where their people lack hope. Yet we have a living hope, one that is living and active and continues to pursue us. We have a living hope. The second thing in verse 5 of chapter 1, we're reminded of God's power and how his power is the one that guards us and guides us. Another one is the, the, the promise that you will experience tribulation. You will, when you follow Jesus, you will come across hard times. And so we know that to be true. We need to be reminded in chapter 2, we were reminded of the need to get rid of the things that trip us up, to walk away from them, to, 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 to just get them out of our lives. In verse 9, we're reminded that we're a holy priesthood, that we belong to the Father, and that he has something for us to do. I love this, and Holby did the message on, on, in chapter 3 on spouses, and he was very nice to thank me for allowing him to do that one, because you do know that whenever you do a message on, on marriage or a message on how to treat your spouse, that that week will be the very week that your marriage gets attacked the most. So that's why I passed it off for him. I didn't need any more. But there's, there's something that takes place. But, but, but here's what I'm learning in all of this, true grit, this whole idea. I want you to think about verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7 of what, first Peter tell, of what Peter tells us. Husbands, I need you to listen to me right now. I need you to listen to me right now. He says this in chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. A lot of times I wonder why my prayers are not, are not going anywhere. And then God quickly focuses my attention to how I'm treating my wife and how I'm growing to understand and, become, and approach her in an understanding way. This is the theme that's been happening in my house for the past three weeks. As we, as we transition with all the schooling stuff to committing to homeschooling our kids for this year. And every bit of me says I don't have the capacity to add any more to my plate. And I'm reminded of this verse that says you better start living with your wife in an understanding manner. You better start meeting her right where she's at, Chad. 
You better start understanding what this means because here's what's going to happen if you don't. The prayers, the very things of your heart that you want, they're going to be hindered. And so rather than losing my cool with my wife lately, I am reminded of this verse. And so I can go to her and say, I understand we're in a tough situation and we're trying to figure this all out. And I understand this is overwhelming and I understand that you're, you're overwhelmed right now and you've got a lot on your plate. What can I do to be helpful? What can I do to block the noise? And there's something that switches. Guys, if we could do this, there's something that switches in the, in the demeanor of our wives. They stop becoming so resistant and all of a sudden they start walking with you. So we're reminded of the way we do that. Next, we move on and we, we see uh, the idea of obedient, being obedient to God's truth in verse 15, honoring God with all our hearts, practicing tr- self-control in chapter 4, verse 7, and love one another, serving and, and using our gifts for the kingdom in chapter 4, verse 8. And then lastly, in chapter 4, verse 19, we read that fiery trials will come. And so in this idea of developing true grit, we're reminded of all God's truth, and we're reminded of what we've been challenged to, and we're reminded of what can help us as we process this and keep taking step after step after step. And so now we come to wrap up the First Peter, and we're in chapter 5, and one of the things that he comes right out of the gate on, and, and we'll, we'll read it together. In chapter 5, verse 1, it reads this, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well, as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, All of us with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so as we're reminded, the first thing I want us to look at is this. Peter has, has, has laid out 
something that we need, the way we need to go about living, a way we need to approach life, a way we need to approach each other. He's laid this out. And in order for me to keep going, the best thing I can do is align my life with the truth of Scripture. But though there's something that we have to understand in this piece today. There is a call on our lives that goes beyond what sometimes we think it is. There's a call to something else, a call to something different, a call to truly follow him that he has for us. And the, the idea here, or to the idea that we want to drive home today is that in any call, I have the opportunity to respond. When your phone rings, is anybody else like one of my dear loved ones, their phone rings and they never answer it? Anybody like that? Or when the phone rings, you have to answer it. I'm learning more and more from my wonderful wife that when the phone rings, that does not mean I have to respond to that call. Actually, by not answering it, I'm responding. Did y'all catch that? By not answering it. So we have a way of going about this. I could answer it and lift it up, or I could reject it and walk away from it. Do you realize you have the same ability with the call that God has on your life? How you respond to God's call says a lot about whether you're going to continue to persevere or not. Being right in the middle of his calling, right where he wants you, is the best place you can be. He's got you. So we have to look at how are we going to respond to the call that is on our lives. And today, I want to speak specifically to the elders of our church. We are called to something more. We are called to lead our church. And there's some very specific things that he says. Just so you know, the Greek word for exhort is the actual word for call. The root word is call in it. So I call the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He says this, first thing we need to do as elders in a church, we need to shepherd. What does it mean to shepherd? Guide. Care for. We figure out what it means to care for the flock that God has entrusted in to us. Are we calling our church family and checking in on them? Are we letting them know how much they're loved and cared for? When they're hurting, do we hurt with them? When they're struggling, do we reach out and try some way, some shape or form to help? When one of our church members is struggling and they're caught in sin, do we sit back and silently do nothing or do we go into the thicket and help them get out of it? There's a call to lead that is on the elders of this church. The question I have is, are we doing that? And for us elders, we have to answer that question for ourselves. So we're called to shepherd 
We're going to have a willingly attitude. In other words, this is the attitude that it, an elder is supposed to have, is it's supposed to be, I, you know what? I look at willingly, and I'm like, I should be excited about making that phone call. I should be excited about reaching out. I should be excited about going in and taking care of the church that God, the flock that God has called me to do. I should have a certain attitude around it and, and that goes into it, and it needs to be a willing attitude, not one Ah, why, why do I have to talk to this person? They drive me nuts. That's none of anybody in here, by the way. But our attitude should be one of, oh, I get to. I get to do something God's called me to. Willingly. It says eagerly, too. I know for me, one of my, my, my tendencies is to, to, to procrastinate. And yet he says this, so he goes, that is among you exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do not for, not, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. I'm not looking at it for what I can get out of it, I'm looking at it for what I can give to it. And then lastly, he says we need to lead by example. We need to be an example to our flock. Example in the way we give, an example in the way we give of our time, our talent, and our, our treasures, a way in which we, we are in community, a way in which we serve, a way in which we, we bring people together, a way in which we dive into God's word and we study it and we pick it apart and we allow it to feed us so that we can feed the flock that God's given us. And we can go more and more into that. But if we're leading by example, that's the piece we have to look at is what's the example I'm setting. And above all else is my example I'm setting as a man that is loving God and loving those around me. And can people see it? I am excited to, to tell you guys today as our church family that uh, as elders, we've been praying for the past six months about adding to uh, those with our elder team. And right now, we're in conversation with about three or four different guys. Our elders this coming year will be serving for about three years. Uh, they agreed to two years, and I laughed at them. I said, good luck with that. You're going to stay on with me for a few more years. Um, and so the idea is we've got to keep raising up more and more people that help shepherd this church. I believe that God's going to bring growth, not only spiritually gro spiritual growth, growth to the kingdom, but I believe to our church. And I believe in order for that to happen, we need to have the right people in place in order for it to take place. And so we're, there will be more that comes out about that here in the next few weeks, but the candidates have been asked and we're waiting on responses. And the way, just so you know how it works at Lightpoint Church, we don't vote on who they are. We use our social covenant as an example. So what we'll do is once these guys are accept and choose to do that, we meet, and they're gonna go through a six-month process of kind of seeing what it's all about and, and, and being a part of it. And then at the end of this, we'll bring them before you guys and say, here's who we believe. God is called to help shepherd this church. And you'll have two weeks to bring issues up. You'll have two weeks to address those 
to us as a church. And then after that, there will be an appointment, a, prayer, a time of prayer over this. And so if you have any more questions over that, let me know. But I want you to know that there's a call to lead, and we need to respond to it. As elders that exist or elders that are come, we need to be ready to respond to that call that God has. Secondly, I, I believe this is important too. There's a call amongst all of us to humility, to humility. And I, I dove into this word this week, and I really wanted to understand what it, what it really meant. And I've heard this a lot. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And so that was very confusing to me. And so I'm like, okay, I really want to understand what this humility word means. And so I started diving into it. And so then God brought me to the other side of humility, which is pride. And so I started looking at pride, and I started looking at how pride takes hold in, in our lives. And, and one of the things that was very interesting to me was when pride sets in, pride says this. Pride says, I have it all. I don't need your help. I've done it all myself. I can accomplish it all myself, and I don't need anybody else to help me. Pride pride's very, it leads into that arrogance piece in our life. If you go to the book of Daniel, you'll see that, that the kings of that time became very prideful, and whenever they came, became very prideful, God humbled them in a huge way. And matter of fact, he took one king and made him live as a beast out in the field for a season because he said, look at the kingdom that I've built that is mine. And God says, I'll show you what happens when you think it's all you. So there's this pride issue. So what is this humility thing? So we looked at pride. The humility thing comes in like this. Humility. When we look at the, the Greek word and, and to come to understand the root words behind it, it's to lower. And I thought, okay, to lower, but what does that mean? To lower of one's soul, bring down one's pride. Okay? Goes on to say, devoid of all haughtiness. Kind of this arrogance piece. And then it goes on to say, to behave in an unassuming manner, and then in the parentheses it said, down to earth. I thought this was interesting too. To have a, a modest opinion of one's self. So I kept looking at this word and kept trying to figure out, well, okay, what does it mean for us to humble ourselves? And I thought this was very telling of our times. The humility I believe God wants us to understand and wants us to grab a hold of is this, is I can't do this all myself. I can't lead this church all by myself. I can't come in and do everything by myself. I need people around me. I need help. I need people to use their gifts, their talents, their resources. I need people around me to help accomplish what God has called us to do. I don't have what it takes to do it by myself. I need your help. Want no secret? I don't want to do it by myself. 
I got no desire. I need you guys as part of the church body to join me in what God is doing. I need your eyes looking for opportunities. I need y'all reaching out to people, checking in on people, writing notes to people. I need you guys to encourage people. I need you to use your gifts with the kids. I need you to use your gifts in greeting. I need you to use your strength in helping set up. I need you guys. And the best way I can understand humility is coming to a point where we can actually admit, I can't do it all myself. And so in this, we see this passage that says this. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Come to a point in your life where you get with God and say, God, I can't love my wife the way you've called me to. I need your help. I can't love my husband the way you've called me to. I need your help. My kids are driving me nuts. I need your help to be a good dad. There are people in this world that are frustrating the tar out of me. God, I need your help in meeting them with grace and mercy the same way you've met me. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We live in a world right now that is in chaos. And when chaos sets in, do you know what people respond to chaos with? A need to control. They respond to this with, I've got to control the very things around me. And they grasp for and they're trying to look for what they can control. And when they realize that they really don't have control over everything, guess what takes place? Anxiety. They become anxious. And we have a passage right here that God says this. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. My prayer is that we will respond to this call to humility with saying, you know what? You're right, God. I can't do this by myself. I need your help. And whatever area we're doing, we're going to start looking at it as, you know what? I don't want to do this by myself. I'm inviting other people into this with me. And slowly but surely, as the anxieties rise and as the ang- we experience anxiety, and for all of us in here that says, I've never experienced anxiety in, in my life, good for you. It'll come. It's scriptural that you have it, by the way. When we do that, when we cast that upon him, something happens. We're actually looking at God and saying, I can't deal with this anymore. I need your help. There's another call that we have that we need to respond to. The call to resist. Verses 8 and 9 says this, be sober-minded. In other words, don't allow outside sources to 
distort the way you think. Don't allow things to distract you. Don't allow things to get in to your head to take you off path, to take your mind somewhere else. Be sober-minded. And then it goes on and says, be watchful. Are we looking for what's going on? Are we being aware of what the attack is? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And here's our recall. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We have a call to resist the evil one. We have a call to resist the things that are coming and attacking us that are from the evil one. And we are in a world right now, guys, where it is going on day in and day out. There's an agenda that's being pushed on us that, that is not of God. It is not. There's an agenda that's being pushed on our society and on us that is not coming from him, but it's disguised as coming from him. Do you know that the evil one, when you look in Timothy and you look in the first, second Corinthians, do you know that Satan has the ability to disguise himself as a righteous angel? angel? an angel of righteousness? Do you know that he can empower his, de his demons to disguise themselves as an a angel of light? Guys, we are living in a world right now where we are being attacked by the schemes of the evil one, and they're pushing an agenda that is not of God. And it is pushing in on our lives and our society and our family and we have to learn to resist it. And it's being disguised as we need to love. You're not loving if you say this. You're not loving if you do this. You're not loving the people around you. But do you understand that sometimes the best thing we can do to love somebody is to point to the sin in their lives and say, do you know what? There's a guy that died for that. There's a guy that gave his life for this. You don't have to be trapped anymore. You don't have to live this way anymore. There's freedom when you meet my Savior. And, do you and see, you don't have to look at my opinion of what's right or wrong. You don't have to say, well, Chad, tell me what's right or wrong. No, you don't have to do that because there may be something I get wrong, but do you know where you do need to go? His word, the truth. And so when we start saying something's good or something's bad, can I strongly ask you to dive into his word and make sure that what you're saying is aligned with it or make sure what you're believing is aligned with God's word because, guys, he is disguising himself in a, in a huge way. And the momentum is coming faster and faster and faster. And God says, resist and stand firm. Now, I love Milford School District. And when I heard that they're offering an elective in the middle school that is driving an agenda that is teaching our kids something morally that scripture says is wrong. 
my heart breaks. We have to pay attention to what is going on in this world. And it's one of the If we can agree that we are living in temporary times, we're temporary. Everyone in here is going to die, right? Okay. No one's found the Holy Grail, right? Okay. There's an eternity after this. Do you understand that what we do here and what we share here and our decision and our response to the love of Christ and whether we follow him, whether we accept him, whether we believe in him, sets up our eternity forever and ever. And the same thing with our world. We need Jesus. We need him to penetrate our world and come in, and it needs to be done by guess who? So we don't have to be hateful in speaking truth. We don't have to be abrasive in speaking God's truth. Matter of fact, we're to, it's our speech is to be what? Seasoned with salt. We're to do it a different way. We're to show love in a way that people can get it. And yes, we can get upset about what's going on and we can get ticked off about the things that are going, but we got to let that stop and say, God, take this because I need your help and how to address this. We are called to resist the schemes of the evil one. I was thinking about this this week. I keep hearing this idea that, that we live in a divisive world right now, our country is more divided than ever. And I, I won't disagree with that. And everybody wants to point to leadership and say, that's why we're divided. I've been in many of churches and I've been in many of places where leadership has, has been poor and where leadership has been great. And what I've come to find out and what I've come to believe is that, do you know divisiveness is a response of the people, not the leader? I want you to think about that. I can choose to be divisive. It can happen in this church, guys. I'm given, a, as elders, we're given a call to lead our church, to shepherd our church, to bring our church somewhere, to take us in the direction that he goes. He wants us to go make disciples that live and love like Jesus, be a light in a dark and hurting world. That's the call. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're going to do. It's not being decisive. That's, that's saying here's where we're going. The decisiveness piece comes in the response of the people. And what God, what Jesus himself prayed for is this. He prayed for unity. He also said this, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. There's something we have wrong today. There's something we're not getting today. We're not being watchful of the schemes of the evil one. 
We're not standing firm in our faith in these things. We have a call to resist. And my prayer is, is that he likes to divide, the evil one does. He likes to disguise himself. And once he does it, he has us. And so what will our call to resist? And lastly, and most importantly, we have a call to trust. In verse 10 to 11, it says this, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to the eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So what is this, the call to trust? I need to call, I, need, I am called to trust the promise that he's going to restore that he is going to get us ready, that he is going to prepare us, that he is going to bring completion of what he's called us to, that, com- to that, the completion of what he has for our lives, that he is going to restore us and to who he wants, that the call to the promise that he is going to confirm, that he is going to make more than able, make more able for us to do what he's called us to be. So he's going to confirm that, the call that, to respond, that he's going, the promise that he is going to strengthen us. In other words, he's going to make us stronger. He's going to bring about the strength that we so desperately need to resist the evil one. And then he's going to establish that promise that he's going to establish us. In other words, he's going to lay a foundation that is stable and does not move. He has laid out a promise for us and do we trust it or not? So in those moments of weakness, those moments of wanting to falter, those moments of wanting to give up, those moments of saying, you know what, it's too hard, or you know what, I may put myself in a vulnerable position, or I may hurt somebody I love, it's in those moments that we start to respond to the call to trust him and trust his promises that what? He was going to restore that which is broken, us, and this world. He's going to confirm He's going to make us more than able to do what he's called us to do. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to give us the support and, the, and the, the power to do it, and he's going to establish it. He's going to allow us to be on a firm foundation, which is his word. And so in this, I have a way to respond. I have a, call, I have a way I need to respond to the call that he has in my life. As, as elders or leaders in my home, I'm called to lead. Will I lead the way he's called me to? I'm also, there's the, the calling to humble myself. Am I willing to, the call to, am I willing to humble myself? The call to resist, am I going to resist or am I going to give way to everything that comes around? And the call to trust. Will I trust the one that set his promises in place? That's it. At the end of 1 Peter, that's what we get to look at. How will I respond to the call that he has on my life? Because he who called us is faithful. The question is, will I respond in faithfulness? Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that in all things... Lord, you work in all things you bring about, Lord. And I pray, Father, that our eyes are open to the schemes of the evil one. Lord, I do. I pray, Father, that you would enlighten us to to the truth. 
that you would bring about a truth that comes from you, that you would help us to see it and not allow our, our minds to be distorted by the things and the views of things around us or people around us or by media or whatever it is, Lord. I, Lord, I pray, Father, that, that we would have the mind of Christ who could walk into an uh, encounter with a hurt and broken person and his response or his first question before ever healing somebody was this question, do you want to be healed? Lord, there's a truth in that that we need to grasp. Lord, us being healed is not us staying the same. Us being healed is us being transformed. So, Father, I, I pray that that would be our lives. I pray, Father, that you would move in this church and that we would respond to the call that you have on us, Lord. That we would lead the way you've called us to lead. That we would humble ourselves in the way you've called us to humble ourselves. That we would resist the evil one like no other that we would stand firm on the foundation that you've given us. And Lord, we would not falter, we would not quit, but Lord, we would have this true grit in our lives to keep going, to persevere, to never stop, to never quit, but to continue to take ground for you and your kingdom. And Lord, in all of it, may we respond to the call to trust you more and more, knowing that you're going to give us exactly what we need along the way. Lord, help us to respond the way you've called us to. Help us to respond in a way that honors you and brings you glory and changes our life. And all these things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a couple ways for us to respond as we sit here today. One is to, for you guys to, to re, be in prayer and thinking about, okay, where is it I need to adjust? Where is it maybe I need to be more alert to What it, and, and all of this? So there's some personal reflection time we can have. Um, it was reminded of me, we haven't had any time, opportunity to pray over people in a while. And so we're going to be working on that. But if you need prayer over anything, I'll be right up here and you can come up here and I'd be happy to pray with you. I'll put a mask on. You can put a mask on and I'm happy to do that. Lastly, um, not lastly, another way we can uh, respond is by giving. Um, we, we have a generous church and, and our church continues to give and I'm grateful for that. Um, so you can respond by giving the offering bins are in the back as well and then uh, lastly we can stand and sing as a church family and sing praises to a God and pray that he strengthens us so you respond how God leads
So school starts for Milford this week. And so what we thought we'd do is take a special time and bring our kiddos up. So why don't y'all come up here with there with Pastor Josh there. That'd be awesome. Thank you. So if y'all wouldn't for a minute, kiddos, look at me real quick. So you guys get to go to school this week, some of you, right? Y'all excited? No. No? Sweet? Okay. So today in big church with all the adults, I read a passage for them that I want to share with you guys. And this is my prayer for you guys um, as, our, uh, as the kids in our church, that, that this would be what we choose to do in those moments. Anybody worried about school? Anybody worried about going back a little anxious? No? You're all good. You're ready to go. I don't believe a word you're saying because I know within your bellies there's going to be these butterflies. But here's what God's word tells us. And it's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So when you're anxious about something tomorrow or tonight, or when you're anxious about going into that classroom and you're anxious about whatever may happen, can I encourage you to cry out to God and just say, God, I'm anxious. God, I need your peace. God, I need you to take this away. And so my prayer is that you'll rely on God more and more and stand firm in his love this school year. And here's my other prayer for you guys. Do you realize that you can be a huge light for God this week, this year? That the way you treat people, the way you interact with kids, the way you interact with your classmates, your teachers, all that gives you an opportunity to be a light for our Savior. And so my encouragement is this. Whatever you do, whatever you go about, figure out what is it today I can do to honor God, knowing that I'm going to be anxious and I can cast everything on him and he, because he cares for us. So let me pray over you. Is that okay? Father God, we love you. We thank you for today, Lord. And I lift up these precious kids to you, knowing, Lord, that they are your children knowing, Lord, that you hold each and every one of them in your hands, Lord. I pray, Father, that they would rest on the truth, that any anxiousness, any worry, anything that they are dealing with, Lord, that they have the ability to cast that on you, and you take it. And you do it because you care for them. And, Lord, I pray that they would be a light. The way they interact, the way they treat, the way they, they, they respond to things throughout the day, Lord, may they be a light for you, pointing people to you as the God that loves them and loves the people and wants people to come to know you. I pray, Father, that we would do that as a church family, all the way from our adults to our kids. God, may you shine brightly this year. Lord, we pray for our teachers and our schools, our administration, and all of them, Lord, the decisions they've had to make and everything that's going on. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would cover them, that you would strengthen them, that you'd be with them, and that you'd give them wisdom that comes from you. God, use us greatly for your kingdom. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. You guys have a blessed day.